Balance is both a gift and a necessity. Those of you who grew up on a farm perhaps will remember the beauty of seeing a newborn colt or calf just after birth, struggling to get legs underneath him or her in order to do what seems to be the impossible thing on those wobbly little contraptions and to finally gain footing enough as the parent animal is nudging along with the nose, this process that must take place because it is absolutely necessary for the survival of this little one that it take place, that balance come to be in its life. How many of you have delighted yourself in the first steps of a toddler in your family? I know that you have. I can remember those occasions when our girls were young and they were beginning to walk. I can remember how they would squeal with delight and we would cheer them on as if they were running a marathon. You can do it. Come to daddy. Come to daddy. And how we were so enamored with the, the beauty of just that little success with balance. I can remember years ago when I was a child uh, living in Waverly Hall, Georgia. Some of you may know where that's located up above Columbus. We're in that little town. I was of the age where it was time to learn how to ride a bike without training wheels. And I can remember that my father would take hold of the bike seat and the bike handlebar as I held on and began to pedal. He would run beside me. Has that happened to any of you? Do you have a memory of your dad doing that? Running along beside and I can remember, I can remember hollering, let go, let go. And he was saying, okay, And he would let go of his hand that was on the handlebars, but he held that seat while I was running along there, thinking I was doing it all on my own. I can remember doing the same with our girls as they learned that sense of balance. Balance in life is both gift and necessity. Over the next seven weeks, Stephanie and I, and perhaps Larry, will be preaching to you on balance as we share together reflections on work and family and love and health, friends, money, and even church, which is where pastors get caught sometimes and laity get caught in being so undone by all the demands that church places on us as well. This is a calling to remember balance. I am continuing to grow in my awareness of those places of imbalance 
In fact, they are actual geographical locations in my mind somewhat. Have any of you been to Atlanta lately? (laughs) How hard it must be to find balance there. I wouldn't choose to live in that place, but I will not cease to visit it because I have a daughter that lives in Atlanta. When I go there, it seems that there is this maze of roads upon which the entire world must be traveling. It is a terror to encounter. And as I think about Atlanta in my mind and in my heart, think about the culture of that city, I wonder to myself if those who live in that place are able fully in any sense to find peace. I know there must be a way to do it, but from a distance it seems so busy and so intense. Sue and I, when we return from our trips to Atlanta, when we cross the Statesboro City Limit sign, that line, we look at each other and sometimes almost in unison we will say, boy, I'm glad I live here. It is a wonderful thing that Statesboro does not have some of the manner of life as Atlanta does. But even here in Statesboro, life can be overtaken by imbalance. You are aware of that, aren't you? That this internal drive that we have to accomplish what needs to be done can become so obsessive for us that even here in Statesboro, that we can lose that sense of what is right and what is balanced. And even here in Statesboro, beyond our own choices, even on the choices of others, the outside pressures of life will keep us in imbalance if we are not aware Some of you were at the funeral of a great man who died recently, a member of this congregation, John Davis. In the funeral eulogy for John, I said of him that he was the quotable John Davis. There were several things over the course of my knowing him that he said that were so profound that I actually wrote them down. One of the things that I remember him having said a couple of years ago to me, he said, I decided not to build more barns. And at first I thought he was speaking to me as a rancher. And then I realized to me that he was quoting scripture to me. You remember the story in Luke chapter 12 of the wealthy man who had so much grain from his field and so much bounty that he determined it necessary 
to tear down his barns and to build new barns for all that he had found as blessing in the world. And of course, as Jesus tells this story, this parable, he has God saying, fool, don't you know that tonight, this very night, your soul will be required of thee. John was saying to me that he had reached a point in his life where no more was he so interested in acquisitions. There was a completeness, a balance to his life, and I admire that in him. There was a sufficiency for what God had already provided, and he was at a point of wanting well to know how to share what he had been given. The pressures of culture and the circumstances that we can encounter will be at times manipulative, even oppressive to us if we do not claim the choices that we are given to make. We who live in a world that seems beyond our control, jobs that control us rather than we controlling them are still the ones who would make the decisions as to whether we will be God's balanced people or not. Paul reminds the church in Rome, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, what is perfect, what is the perfect idea of life as God meant it to be. In the oppressive regime of the Pharaoh, the Hebrew people suffered. They were forced to work without wage from before the sun came up until after the sun went to bed. They were exhausted with the labors of being slaves in Egypt. And lest you and I think that our world does not put a weight upon those who are already poor, let me share with you that you need to talk with those in our community who are trying to raise a family on a minimum wage. Have you spoken to anybody trying to do that lately? Have you talked with those who are working not one job, but perhaps three jobs in order to provide for their family. It can be more than the heart can bear that the world puts such weight upon us that we begin to fold under the pressures and life has little balance at all. But God wants for us to have balance. And so we seek to live together in community, caring for each other 
and especially those in greatest need. And finding balance ourselves, we invite others into balance as well. I enjoy reading occasionally those Ten Commandments. I'm not talking about the abridged version in Exodus chapter 20, but the unabridged version in Deuteronomy chapter 5. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12 through verse 15, we have a full explanation for why we are to observe the Sabbath day. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male or female slaves or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the resident alien in your towns so that your male and female slave may rest as well as you. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Our thoughts of Sabbath are so limited. Sabbath is a day for us to be protectors of others who are not so blessed to have rest and to observe within us, within our living, as to whether we have found rest and balance. Because I tell you that balance is a gift but it is also a necessity for those who wish to live in God's kingdom. How is it with you and work? Are you finding balance? As the Apostle Paul beckons to us, do you find what is good and what is acceptable and what is perfect in what you're doing? I love the old story that has been told in many of a sermon in years past of the man who would come home from work, but before he would walk up the steps and onto the porch and in the front door of his home, he would walk to a tree in his front yard and he would touch the branches of the tree. Each day, the neighbor from next door realized this was happening. He would come home from work, He would walk over to the tree, he would touch the branches of the tree, and only then would he enter the front door of his home. Finally, it got too much for the neighbor to bear, and the neighbor came over and asked, what are you doing? And he stood there and he said, I'm hanging my worries on this tree. Before I go into my house, I am hanging my worries on this tree. And he said, what you do not see is that when I get up in the morning, I come back to this tree and I reach up and there are always fewer worries than I had left there the day before. (laughs) 
How is it that you are finding balance? I read of Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel, some of you may know him. He is quite the Christian author now. He took residence as a staff member at the huge church, the mega church out in California, a Saddleback Church, and served so well there in that location with Rick Warren, and yet in the life before he became Christian, Lee Strobel remembers how he became so filled with angst at all that life was doing to him, his work and all of that stuff, that he came home and was so angry that he remembers putting his foot through the wall, one of the walls in his house. He said, His daughter, whom he wasn't angry with, was five years old at the time, but it so frightened her that she ran from him and into her room. He was too angry to care what was going on in her life. But somehow, God got through to Lee Strobel. And when salvation came his way, It did such a number on his spirit that it completely erased that anger and frustration from his living. He became such a balanced soul that six months after he gave his heart to God, that his wife came and told him that their daughter had come to her and had said, I want God to do for me what he did for my daddy. (laughs) Our balance affects not only us, but all of those around us. You've heard Stephanie and I preach about this and probably every pastor that has ever preached from this pulpit. We love to quote John Wesley, especially during the fall of year, during the capital campaign or during our budget campaign. And you will hear us talk about John Wesley having said, earn all you can, save all you can, Give all you can. Y'all have heard this, haven't you? And you'll hear it again come fall, all right? But this is taken from a sermon by John Wesley that is called The Use of Money. And in that sermon, he details what he's talking about in each of those statements. And he preached this sermon over and over again, of course, across his lifetime. I want to talk with you just briefly about earn all you can for a moment because for Wesley, it was not just about earning. In fact, he encouraged people to earn money, of course, to be productive, but to do that in such a way as to be connected and aligned 
with who God is and what Jesus is about. And so he warned those that were becoming wealthier and wealthier by the day about what they were doing with their wealth. And he also warned those that were earning in ways that he thought were wrong. Particularly, he points out those who were distillers of the liquor for other than medicinal purposes. And he said, there are a lot of them. He was concerned that there was no connection in their minds between the harm that might be done and the good that might be done in the world. There needs to be a balance. As far as I can tell, John Wesley never did preach about retirement. And there are a good many retired people that are here today. John Wesley did not preach about retirement. But I will. I'll preach to you about retirement. Because I believe that there are some people who lose their identities in their retirement. Now, I didn't put this in here just for Larry Bird, okay? Larry has retired most recently, but I know Larry's heart and also I know his mind is of Christ. But some people lose their sense of identity because they are so linked with their vocation that they cannot see themselves in any other way than by seeing what they were doing. And so in their retirement, they lose a sense of purpose, which is the most awful thing to think about. And yet there are other persons who I have seen into retirement as the great opportunity that God has given to fashion your gifts and service in new ways that even you could not have expected. And for, of course, the purposes of God. And that they have wondered and that their worry has been dissipated that they ever would be underemployed. And even though they are not making money from what they are doing, they are blessing many souls in a new way. I know a man at a nursing home here in Statesboro who is a retired farmer. When he moved into the nursing home, He was trapped, as most must feel at some point, in the confines of that little room where he resides. It came to him one day as he looked out his window that he was not satisfied any longer with just being a resident in a nursing home. And so he began to ask some of the staff to bring soil and fertilizer and manure and put the bags out in the garden area just outside his window. 
he went to work. And even if you go over there this very day, you will find a great host of perhaps 40 tomato bushes. You will find squash galore. You will find sunflowers taller than I am standing right here in this place. All because he decided that he could do something to bless other people. He doesn't get a dime for anything that is in that courtyard. He takes great joy in blessing others with the gifts. And so I ask you today, how is it that you are balancing life? Do you see this as a gift, even as a necessity? God wishes to work in you the miracles of community, the miracles of balance, the miracles of church, the miracles of life as Christ wishes it to be.